0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let me say hello to our guest, and he's a great favorite of this program, a great friend of this program, Professor Eric Cam, Macroeconomics Professor at Toronto Metropolitan University. Professor Cam, how are you doing?
1: Well, thank you. And I would just uh, technically like to wish you a good Saturday afternoon.
0: Well, technically, right back at you. Thank you so very much. I, I want to play something for you. It's something that I have kept since it actually happened. And, you know, they've got the uh, the premiers all meeting. What do they call it? The uh, something of the Federation. Um. <laughs> It's it's not the meeting of the Federation, it was the premier's meeting and the prime minister usually participates. So I was uh, I was watching the very first one that involved the carbon tax when Mr. Trudeau was introducing it. And he was explaining what the carbon tax would in fact mean. And that took then Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall by surprise. And Mr. Wall, that I've thought this has always been very memorable, Mr. Wall had a question for Mr. Trudeau. It's less than a minute. Dr. Cam, let's have a listen. Play it, please.
1: The the fact is that any revenue collected in the provinces will be returned to those provinces and uh, the premiers uh, can uh, give uh, bonuses to farmers, can give rebates to farmers, can uh, address the concerns of their population uh, whichever way uh, they see uh, fit. I think it's extremely important that the federal government recognize the need for this flexibility Uh, and uh, that's why the fact that the revenue uh, from uh, the price on carbon pollution will stay uh, within uh, their uh, within the jurisdiction in which it's collected, and uh, the way it is returned to citizens will be determined uh, by the people who serve them directly, their premiers. So I could, if I could give all the money back to the American he's paid in carbon taxes or she's paid in carbon taxes, what's the point? How does that change behavior? I guess that's the other concern we have
0: so there's mr trudeau explaining that the carbon tax is going to be collected but it'll remain in the jurisdictions in which it's collected and then it's up to the premier to return it to the people who it was collected from And mr Wall quite appropriately said what's the point yeah i always thought that's one of the best political questions i've heard and one of the most useful and timely relevant questions i've heard and uh, it really caught Mister Trudeau on the back foot, and he's been on the back foot as far as the carbon tax is concerned, and Canadian popular opinion is concerned. I believe since then. So, uh, Doctor Cam, what do you make? What do you make of that exchange?
1: Well, I think it was um, idiocracy in its purest form. Um, I love it. But but I'll tell you what makes me really sad about it is that I'm afraid that the Prime Minister actually believes. His own garbage. And what I mean by that is he can say, uh, and anybody can say that this is not a bad idea because you take it away and then you give it back. So not only is that a complete and utter waste of time, but all that really does, because we know darn well that they're not giving back, they're giving back such a small percentage of what they're taking, that all it really does when you ask about how does this change anything, how does this change behavior, is that this is just one more Trudeau act. That makes the people of Canada less wealthy, that just reduces their disposable income, reduces their wealth, reduces their ability to buy food and pay their rent. So first of all, anybody who believes that he was going to take a dollar out and put a dollar back, I mean, wake up. That's just never going to happen. That's never happened in the history of taxation in this country. But also, you know, you hang that on... Regular, hardworking Canadians. And I wonder if he realizes that that policy truly, truly is a regressive, horrible way of making people poorer. He's just trying to sell it by, as they say, putting a brand new dress. Uh, I don't even want to tell you how that expression ends, but it's a terrible policy. Somebody this week finally figured it out when they really got mad and said, we have got to get rid of the carbon tax. Even if you don't want to call it, Mr. Prime Minister, if you don't want to call it a scrapping, then at least call it a moratorium and stop it. Because, as I'm sure you're going to want to ask me, Roy, what are we heading into now? There's no technical recession. That is what academics say when they want to leave themselves and out. We are in a recession Every macroeconomic indicator in this country is moving downward if it's not negative already. So the time to get rid of regressive taxes like the carbon tax and maybe give people a chance to support their families is yesterday, Roy.
0: Yeah, you know, I keep going back to this number and uh, these are numbers that actually came up this week. And I've mentioned them a few times today, but they're extremely relevant. I mentioned them to Mr. Polyev. I mentioned them to our callers, and they referenced them as well. So, Ipsos for RBC did polling on how comfortable Canadians are. I I use the word comfortable, that's my word, as far as their financial situation is concerned. 40% of Canadians have trouble sleeping at night due to financial stress. 40%. As I said to Mr. Pollier, drive down the road, I'll drive down the road with you, and four of every ten people we see is losing sleep because of financial stress. At the same time, the Canadian Association of Insolvency and Restructuring Professionals revealed the number of Canadian business insolvencies in the third quarter rose to the highest level in ten years, and it's up 41.8% over the same quarter of last year. So you have business insolvencies up 41.8% over the same quarter last year, and you have 40% of Canadians losing sleep at night due to financial stress. And I've got Trudeau telling me, just keep paying the carbon tax.
1: Okay, first of all, we know darn well that that 40% is grossly, grossly being underreported. It's way more than that. And, you know, We could talk about numbers all day. I'm an economist, so let's just throw out another one. I heard Trudeau this week say that Canada is adding an average of 40,000 new jobs each month in 2023, and I heard his cast of cronies behind him clapping when they said that. But now dig a little bit like economists are supposed to and give people real numbers. In each of those months, Roy, the working age population grew by 78,000. Almost twice the average increase in employment. So that means first eight months of 2023, we added 320,000 jobs and added 624,000 people looking for jobs. And that is only half the story because immigration is outpacing employment growth for several years now. So we're in absurd disparities when it comes to what is available for Canadians versus the number of Canadians looking for work. Our GDP is plunging. As I say, I'm being repetitive. Our indicators are plunging. How about a couple more numbers before we go, Roy? Rents climbing 11% per year. 11%. So with immigration well on track to hit 1.1 million this year, that means that each day Canada is yielding an average of 3,000 new people into a real estate market that nobody can afford to rent or own. Where are you going? Where are you going? That's an excellent question. No, no, you said, ex- you
0: said before we go, where are you going?
1: Oh, no, I just meant that uh, before we move on to whatever the next thing is, I can oh, okay. be, be verbose and go on, is that this is really, I mean, if you take a snapshot of the Canadian economy right now, what is there to brag about? And you see, this is the, when people say to me, I know you support Mr. Polyev in the next election. I say, because he's the only person making any sense whatsoever. Mr. Trudeau has completely lost the plot. Either that, or he just is is pretending that he's in fantasy land because there is nothing today in the Canadian economy other than the fact that it hasn't collapsed that shows us any type of a reason for optimism. So 40%, Roy, I'll bet it's a whole lot more than that who are losing sleep. If you have a mortgage, if you pay rent, if you buy gas, and if you buy food at a grocery store, trust me, you're losing sleep.
0: You remember, it was about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where I thought I had a little bit of a, not a joke, it wasn't a joke, but I it was a little bit of a um, play on words or... I'm not quite sure how to describe it. You you know, you can do that better than I. But I said, the inflation reality today means this. It's when Canadians stop at the gas station and the grocery store on the same morning and cannot afford to fill up at either. And at the time, it wasn't that bad. People could, in fact, many people could, in fact, fill up their cars and their grocery carts at the same time or at least in the same morning but today and i've made it a point dr cam to talk to people that's what i do i've made it a point to talk to people away from the microphone and said to them how are you managing and the the news the replies are exactly that can't afford things anymore when i go on the air and i ask people can you share with us particularly what your greatest challenges are because you and i know 52 percent of canadians are within $200 of not being able to pay their bills at the end of the month. When I ask them a question in private or ask a question on the air, people are very willing to come on the air and explain what their realities are, what their challenges are, and what their fears are. And fear is number one on the list.
1: And what made your comment, like you said, you know, it wasn't that bad. You were right. And I'll tell you what made it not that bad is that at the time we said, well, thank heaven, people still tend to be having their jobs because the job market was still fairly stable. But it was you and I about 18 months ago who said, if heaven forbid the bottom ever falls out of the labor market and these inflationary pressures start to go through the labor market and we start to see decreases in the number of available jobs that's when the rubber is really going to hit the road in terms of economic disaster. It's all fun and games when you have a job. You can adjust your consumption and your savings when you have income coming in. But when you don't, then your back is against the wall. And unfortunately, Roy, all of the numbers tell us now is that is coming to fruition, and it is the labor market is the next market that's going to have profound problems in this country. And so in a way, and I mean this with all tongue in cheek, if people think that it's been fun and games up till now, when we start to see unemployment figures go up into double digits, there's going to be nobody laughing.
0: You know, uh, there's, a, there's an exit ramp uh, from a, a major street. I live in Burlington, Ontario. So there's, a, there's an exit ramp off this major street that goes down onto, um, onto a service road. Of the Queen Elizabeth Way major highway, and uh, there's a there are guardrails that sell, separate the exit ramp, going down to the service road, and the service road entrance from the highway, heading in the opposite direction. I hope you can visualize this. And at the at the intersection itself, where these two um, guardrails meet one going down, one coming up for opposing traffic. There's a little space, and I would venture 30, 40 feet maybe, maybe at its widest 10 or 12 feet. And there are four tents, four tents erected in that little space, and people are living there. Why are they living there? Because they can't afford rent they can't afford mortgage, and they feel because of the location, this is my surmising, they feel there's a degree of personal safety there because to get at them would be extremely difficult given the geographic realities. And I look at this and I think, this is so fundamentally wrong. We thousands upon thousands upon thousands of vehicles drive past this little four-tent encampment each and every day. And these people, human beings, our fellow Canadians, are living in such a stressed, uh, desperate environment. It, it breaks my heart when I, when I drive by. I'd like to stop and give them some money. I'm one of these people who actually does give some money to people on street corners who have a cardboard sign that says, help, I need help. I do it. Um, But I can't because traffic is moving so fast. This, to me, is the metaphor for what's happening in Canada. That small, that microcosmic reality, Dr. Cam, is the metaphor for what's going on in this country.
1: And my wife is born and raised in Burlington, so I know exactly where you're talking about. And you're really right about your analogy. It is an episode in what happens. People often say, Why is government so important? Well, a little bit like umpires in baseball, because you're not supposed to see them. They're supposed to operate in the background. But this is what happens when governments and banks of Canada and people in decision-making roles make terrible, terrible, life-altering decisions for consumers and investors. You leave your country in a perilous state. And it is time now. It is time now to rectify it before it is too late. We need subsidies in the housing industry, subsidies in the rental industry. We need to get rid of taxes like the carbon tax, but other discretionary regressive taxes that prey on the lower and middle class. Unfortunately, now that I've said that, I think I'm screaming in the wind because I see nothing that tells me that my, my prime minister is listening to anybody. And the only person who seems to get it is the leader of the opposition. And so when people say, I can't believe Mr. Polyev is so far ahead in public opinion polls, I can. Because he's the only person speaking to those people, Roy, that are, God forbid, living in tents right now, saying, is there anybody who can help me because my prime minister has dropped the proverbial ball?
0: Yeah. It is is absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, defining just how non-seriously government takes this issue is goody hutchings the liberal party cabinet minister who stated that if saskatchewan and alberta would like a policy benefit similar to what was offered to atlantic canada as far as the carbon tax is concerned then saskatchewan and alberta should elect more federal liberals close the book right there dr cam thank you so much always always appreciate speaking with you always